You're listening to Meanwhile, Episode 5. Today we'll be talking about the simple power of appreciation and expressing gratitude to those around you. Let's get started. Michael, what are we uh, what are we talking about today? Today we're gonna go into appreciation. Appreciation, and to roughly define that, uh, I guess I would describe appreciation as the act of naming aloud your positive reaction or thoughts or feelings uh, to somebody else or to a group. Actually, making that known and speaking it out. So, what are a few examples of appreciation as you see it, my friend? Uh, well, I'll give an example. So, Michael, um, after our last several podcasts, you sat down and burned the midnight oil and figured out how to edit them uh, with this new software such that we sound pretty good <laughs> without lots of ums and ums. And I really appreciate not just your skill, but also your thoughtfulness in doing that for both of us. Thanks very much. Yeah, I... Uh... It's been it's been a fun journey down the garage band rabbit hole, but uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that. It has been a little extra time, and the end product I think has been something we're both excited about. So it feels good. Okay, let's do another example. So another example was for me yesterday. I came out of a meeting with uh, my business partner Anna Maria, and she's been out for a couple of months on maternity leave. She just had a new baby girl, and so I've seen her a lot, lot less than I typically do, and our communication has been uh, much more infrequent as well as a result. And we just, we left a meeting with these people we're partnering with on, on a new thing. And as we were walking to our cars, I just said, you know, I really miss you. And it's so wonderful to get to spend a few hours with you at both to catch up, but just to see you do your thing um, in work and the way you showed up in that conversation. Like I've really helped me realize how much I, I miss having you around. And, you know, she just stopped as she was, loading her stuff into her car and, and we shared this big hug and it was this like really tender moment of just kind of acknowledging how much we care for each other and, and value how we do our work together. Um, definitely felt like I felt much closer to her and like we were sort of reinforcing a bond that had been a little, not weakened, but just hadn't been revisited in a few months. Okay. I have an example. Hit us um, with it. <laughs> so I'm going to appreciate my mom. Uh, I travel a lot with my mom. I've brought her with me on a number of overseas trips, uh, including to Tanzania, uh, where we spent a week in Dar es Salaam and then went to Safari, and to Myanmar, uh, where I went for work. And the thing I appreciate about my mom is that she's very intrepid um, and plucky without making a big deal out of it. So if I say, Hey, do you want to go to the other side of the earth? She'll say, okay. And she'll just come. And I also love being part of this cool mother son team because we play, um, very well. <laughs> Our act plays very well overseas, um, because there's a lot of respect for older people and people think I'm like this amazing son more than I actually am. <laughs> um, and so, are. yeah. And so even though we're talking about today mainly how you show appreciation directly to people i'm very much aware how much i like that part of my mom 
Another example, the other day I, I last minute needed to set up a quick check-in phone call with uh, a client of mine at a startup downtown and uh, her schedule is typically jam-packed, but she went ahead and carved out about 30 minutes, like a 3.15 to 3.45 phone call. And just at the end of it, I made a quick acknowledgement. Hey, Amanda, I know how busy your schedule is. This was really helpful for me to get on board um, and feel like I'm in the know going into our meeting next week. Thanks for taking the time. I'll give one other example. I recently applied to renew my passport, which was going to expire in six months. And often you can't travel unless you have at least six months space. And I wanted to go on a trip in a few weeks. Um, and I wasn't sure it would get done in time. And I filled out the form and sent it off to the passport agency. And nine days later, I had my new passport with 52 pages since I get the bonus one, <laughs> given my you world. Globe trotting. My globe trotting. And I'm like, someone's really on the ball at the U.S. Passport Agency, not just the person who handled it, but whoever designed all the systems that have made this such an efficient process. And I don't think the federal government gets a lot of positive appreciation. Right, so I right. just want to send some <laughs> its way. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. One of the, this is an outlier situation, USA. Thank you very much. So a number of examples there across different aspects of life, both sharing it aloud, which is going to be sort of the main focus today, but also just moments of noticing and uh, recognizing even internally. Those are nice. So let's talk about why who we strongly believe that we need to express more appreciation and it has positive benefits. So why we see appreciation as important and why it matters to us. Well, uh, and it matters across context, like we said earlier, both professional and personal. You know, on the professional side of things, I'm sure all of you listening can relate to this in your own way, but if we look at the statistics, you know, there's been lots of research done, conference board research group, et cetera, about how well over half of Americans are dissatisfied in their jobs. That research probably directionally correlates in other areas of the world, I'd imagine, as well. But um, there's also been tons of research by organizations like Gallup and others who have repeatedly shown the impact, um, the disproportionate impact that managers and team leaders can have on metrics like employee satisfaction, engagement, how long they stay, you know, retention. And there's obviously many drivers of how, you know, if you're a leader out there or your manager out there, you can impact your team's sense of satisfaction working with you. But one of them is that I repeatedly find is that how well does my manager really understand and recognize the work I'm doing or the contribution I'm making? So if we sort of follow those breadcrumbs, appreciation and effectively and genuinely recognizing people can be a big driver for the sense of engagement and satisfaction people have with their team. So there's, there's definitely that bit. And what research also shows is that money is not the sole driver that people tend to think it is. Um, so that's a topic for another day. But when it comes to motivation, things like recognition, um, being understood, validation are hugely important. And they're often things that are under our control. So there's in the professional world, yeah, there is a tremendous um, unused resource there uh, that could go a long ways toward creating better workplace satisfaction. Absolutely. And and then there's also really compelling research around how this shows up in our personal relationships. John Gottman at the University of Washington, just a king in the world of relationship dynamics, relationship research, ha has studied the ratio of positive, appreciative interactions in couples versus uh, negative 
interactions and has in fact found that there are thriving relationships have a five to one appreciative to critical interaction ratio. So, and he, if you want, if anybody's interested in his research, we can eventually put it in the show notes, but he can actually predict with a super high degree of accuracy, whether or not couples are heading for divorce or separation, even based on how much appreciation is present in their, in their relationship. And the thing to note in a lot of this is that when people show appreciation at work or when they show appreciation in their relationships, the ratios of the positive to the negative, um, it, you might think that they're dependent on the, the particulars of the relationship. So in a good relationship, it'd be easy to have more appreciation and in a good workplace, it'd be easy to call out more positive things. But that's not really true. It's more that the practices themselves tend to create the positive environment. So it's not necessarily the case that, that marriages for example, where there's a five to one ratio that they have better bona fides and they get along better and the people are better and they're not jerks. It's more like they have adopted these practices that then turn it into a better relationship. Absolutely. I think another thing we want to point out here is just sort of the macro context when you bring up this notion of appreciating other people. And that's that we live in a world, we live in a society that tends to overvalue the negative or the critique or even the cynicism. You know, we can probably all think of scenarios, either relationships personally or teams at work, where we spend a disproportionate amount of our time critically analyzing the market, the problem, the performance of our teammates. There's there's a widespread sort of acceptance for having this sort of critically analytical thought on things. And it and it is important. It's not we're not saying throw the throw that out the window. But what often happens as a result is we shoulder out space for thoughtful, genuine appreciation and recognition of one another. And that goes by the wayside and we get into these large imbalances of our sort of critical interactions to the moments where we're actually appreciating. And when we do that, we're actually leaving a a tool for engaging managing, creating closeness with one another, we're leaving that tool on the sidelines. Uh, my friend Gretchen Ribbon, who wrote this well-known book called The Happiness Project, has often said that we value discernment. Um, in other words, we value the ability to say something is better than something else or not as good as something else, as opposed to just affirming what is good. And it reminds me of like restaurant reviews. So I don't enjoy reading restaurant reviews because they're super negative for the most part. And I'll read them and (laughs) they're, they're going to some restaurant and kind of coming up with clever ways to show disdain, um, for whatever they've had. And I understand the value they play. And I think some people really enjoy reading these, but I read one. I, I kind of figure, well, really there wasn't anything that would have made you happy on that that menu. And I think that we go through life a lot this way, that there's a lot of credit for people who will um, undercut something and identify what's missing mm-hmm. or what's flawed as opposed mm-hmm. to what is is positive. And I think further that people often think that if you show appreciation, you're somehow going to lose your edge or lose your critical thinking skills right. and be a kind of weirdo 
Patsy, which to me is like saying, um, okay, if you add hot sauce to a dish, it can't be sour. Or if you add salt, you can't have oregano. Like why mm-hmm. would just adding more appreciation to your life remove your ability to um, think critically? And it's just kind of dumb. So I have a theory, um, Michael T., about why uh, we we exist this way. <laughs> and it, Hit me it, with it. What's well, the theory? It, the theory I, I pen and paper ready. It relates to our Calvinist origins as a country. So many people have observed that in terms of sex, the U.S. is very like two-headed. Like on the one hand, um, we're a very sexualized society. It's used in every kind of advertising. It's on every kind of television show. It's constantly out there. Um, used to sell stuff. You were constantly assessing whether we're sexy enough. And on the other hand, we had this very strong puritanical judgment. Do not talk about it, right? Yeah, don't talk about it and don't be a slut. And um, that's unseemly. And you can show violence and murder on television, but you can only show limited range of, let's say, sexual things. So it's this odd disconnect. And I think the same is true when it comes to appreciation. So on the one hand, we're a very pro positive self-esteem society and we're always focusing on our self-esteem and feeling better. And at the same time, there's kind of this deep suspicion of giving too much praise. Uh, It's almost like it's Cotton Mather um, warning us to be wary of the angry God and, and don't let our heads get too big and remember that we're nothing. Um, And I, I think that's where it comes from. But anyway, we're, (laughs) we're now in this society where, on the one hand, we we yearn for greater positive feedback, greater appreciation, greater connection. At the same time, there are a lot of barriers to it. Um, so we're just going to assert that showing more appreciation, taking the time to do it, will will improve your life and improve the life of people around you. And um, let's talk about a few um, additional points under the research base. So you already talked about Gottman's ratio of five to one in marriages. Um, people have also studied workplace teams and have discovered a similar ratio. It's about four to one. This comes from the Center for Creative Leadership that right. when you're giving feedback, um, it's best to have a ratio of about four to one uh, positive feedback to what we can call negative or improvement or constructive feedback. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons why that's the case is that we have what's called a negativity bias. So we'll tend to remember the negative and screen out the positive and we all do it. So if you're just doing a one-to-one ratio or if you're only giving uh, supposed improvement feedback, people perceive it very negatively. And part of that is that we all are looking for our negative points anyway. Right. Um, right. If you know, I've had the experience giving people 360 reports. So that's a, either an online report or an interview based assessment where you talk to everybody who knows them about their strengths and weaknesses and people just zero in on the negative so quickly, no matter how minimal it is. And so we need yep. to just get around that. Um, a second thing is that there's been a lot of research over the last 20 years or so on positive psychology. So, um, the founder of positive psychology, this guy named Martin Seligman, once said that the first hundred years of psychology were about dysfunction. Let's make the next hundred years about high functioning. And one thing that he asserts is that people are more likely to grow and connect and learn if you have a positive filter. So 
if you choose to emphasize what's going well, um, what we've learned here, um, how we're connected, you're just going to get more results than if you're always um, emphasizing the negative. But this is sometimes a hard sell because we're in this world that validates stuff like skepticism and tough thinking and hard decisions and getting real and, and growing up. Yeah. Um, well, the, it's interesting when you, you frame it that way and that you know ties back to some of the comments from earlier, you know, critically analytical. I think we can tend to, whether we've done this consciously or not, and it's often the latter, we can tend to think that the critical stuff or the picking out what's wrong is actually the hard stuff, therefore valuable. The surprising thing that I find in my discussions with people or working with students at the Stanford Business School is that it actually can be intensely difficult, uncomfortable for people to do more of this appreciative stuff, to, to both notice it, to share it aloud, to receive it. You know, how many times have, have you or has somebody, uh, if you're listening along, tried your best to give a, a genuine and thoughtful uh, compliment or appreciative note to somebody and you see them sort of unsure of how to handle it or one way you might experience it is they discount it like, oh, it's no big deal or it was nothing or don't worry about it, next. It actually can be the, the most intensely difficult and challenging type of interaction to have. Though, if we, we really tune into it, I think part of the way we, we validate or value more often the negative stuff is because that's the hard stuff and that's the meaty stuff. But it's actually masking this intense discomfort we have around sharing and receiving appreciation, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, it's, it's not just it's hard to give those messages. It may be even hard to receive them. I mean, I... I'm not quite sure yeah. what to do when people give me a really great compliment. I love it. I love hearing it. Um, I might not know how to respond to it, but I'll sure think about it later yeah. um, and treasure it um, and, and revisit it or re reread it. Yeah. I, I think one of the reasons why it is uncomfortable is it because it, it's very human. Um, people are much more likely to cry if you give them an extremely positive message than a, a really negative one. In some ways we're, we're, we're accustomed to the, the negative. Um, yeah, we're many, of us, many of us. Yeah. Yeah. Many, many of us, not everybody, but you know, we're, we're encouraged to develop a hard shell and there's something that really breaks through that shell when you're able to give positive. It's very, um, powerful. Um, another Absolutely. point, another point is that it's possible that the more negative stuff doesn't even work that criticism yeah. does not actually function well as a way to improve things or make people better, even though we do so much of it. I think the point I would, I would make there, what that brings up for me is my both experience and the research I've encountered is that the negative stuff is important and, and can work, but it's in, it needs to be in a certain context and in a certain ratio. Um, you know, going back to Gottman, he would say that there's a reason the ratio is not five appreciative to zero, that he would say that that one is actually really important. It's a way that we can hold boundaries with one another. It's a way we can redirect one another. Sometimes um, it's important to have th that piece. But for most of us um, in many of our teams, workplaces, and even personal relationships, those sort of critiques and constructive feedback moments far outweigh the effective appreciation moments. And so, you know, we get into a one appreciative comment to seven negative constructive comment sort of ratio. And, and that can wear on people over time and have all sorts of negative impacts. So your point about 
or where you seem to be going about it's not even effective sometimes. I'm totally, totally there with you. And in fact, there's an article I love to, to share with people when this topic comes up. It's, uh, it was written on Medium a couple of months ago by a guy named Henry Ward. He's the CEO at a company called eShares. And it was a, it's called Manager's FAQ. And the number one question he tends to get, or the one he lists first at least, is how do I get employees to perform better? And he has this very simple, yet for me, powerful illustration um, in his answer. And he says, the answer is to tell them what they are doing well. And you know, the way I translate that is to recognize internally and then aloud what you're appreciating about the other people's performance. And his, his sub-bullet here is that most managers attempt to minimize an employee's bad work instead of maximizing their good work. He's got this great graphic that has two pie charts side by side. And on the left one, you have to visualize with me here, everyone. On the left one, it says employees work. And there's one big slice. It's about 98% of this pie that's labeled great work. And then there's this little sliver. It's you know 2 or 3% here that says not great work. And then right next to it is another pie chart that says manager's feedback. And it says on great work versus feedback on not great work. And it shows that 98% of the manager's feedback is on not great work, which is that tiny little sliver of the employees in the adjoining pie chart. So I don't know if you guys can picture this with me, but it's sort of these inverse pie charts where most of what an employee does is great work, doing their job, getting shit done. Most of the manager's feedback is on the disproportionate little slice of things that the employee needs to improve on or isn't doing well. And that, for me, sort of illustrates the gap in negative slash constructive comments we have with one another and what we could have in the appreciative recognizing comments. And his whole point is, yo, get your commentary in line with the reality of what people are doing. And that is, there's high effort, a lot of quality, I dare you to tell them what they're doing well and see what happens to their performance over time. There's a reason why that Venn diagram uh, makes makes sense. And it it relates to what you were saying earlier about what is my role as a manager or a colleague. And a lot of people think, well, my role is to identify what's going wrong so they can improve. And if I'm not identifying that, I'm not doing I'm not providing value. And the assumption there is that if I'm talking about positive things they've done, I'm not providing value. But that's actually not true. The reason why feedback of any kind is useful is that it is showing us our blind spot. So if I'm giving a speech in front of 100 people, I'm very focused on doing a good job, but I can't actually watch myself in action. Whereas people who are in the audience or observing can come to me and said, here's what you did well, here's what didn't land. Um, here's what we loved, here's what we hated. And that's really useful information. So you can give feedback about a blind spot related to what they're doing well as much as what they didn't do well. There's a, it's a real learning opportunity. And if you're not providing that kind of feedback, the person can't, can't learn. Um, so right. we can learn as much from our positive things as from the negative ones. And what the, what the Venn diagram you illustrated in our brains um, indicated is that if you look at the totality of what's done, most professionals are working at a pretty good level. So there's a lot to work with there on the positive side. And to only focus on the negative, you're really distorting the reality of their performance and you're limiting the way that you can help them as a manager or a colleague. Right. So if you're really overdoing that negative critical set of comments, 
it can really over time grind on the employee. So let me give you an example of how recognizing the positive can actually be influential and productive, something that I've experienced in my life very recently and would be worth sharing. So as you know, I live in a beautiful yet somewhat cramped San Francisco apartment. I have several roommates that I live with. And for the most part, we've got a really lovely coexistence together. We like each other. We get along. We take care of our space. But for one reason or another, probably because life's gotten busy and crazy as we've transitioned into fall here, our apartment has been messier than usual recently. So our you know, kitchen counter is kind of strewn with mail and half-open packages. I've noticed you know, our sink sort of looks like this Jenga set of utensils and dirty plates. <laughs> Horror story. And, you know, it was sort of, I was noticing this pattern over a couple of weeks and I was like, this, this isn't how we do ourselves. And I didn't sit down and make a conscious plan on how I wanted to fix this, but I just started noticing that one of my roommates, Chelsea, was actually, I, I caught her a few times doing a, a pass through the dishes. And in fact, I noticed a few of them were my dishes that I had, you know, I'd started going into this Jenga building, tower building habit of everyone's. And I just chose that moment to say, Chels, thank you so much for doing that. I think I contributed to that leaning tower. Um, really appreciate you cleaning it up this morning. And it was really funny because later that day, or I think it was the next day, um, I found myself, one, I was in there doing some cleaning. And Chelsea walks in and says, hey, thanks for cleaning that up. Uh, in fact, that was my coffee mug. Really appreciate that. And there have been a few instances since where I've you know, noticed her going and doing a quick bathroom clean. And just we've sort of created this positive reinforcing dynamic where we're actually getting back to our roots as an apartment and being more clean through just these simple acts of both noticing that the other person's doing that thing and then just taking the 10 seconds to say, hey, thanks for doing that. That actually is more of what I want to see here. Or, or that's, thanks for doing that. That really helps. <laughs> makes me feel calmer. It makes this more uh, of a clean, fun place to live. So thank you. And it's just been cool to see us shift back into our normal way of being over the last couple of weeks just by recognizing each other a bit more. That's a very evocative example. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I can imagine the bearded roommates and the messy um, San Francisco <laughs> pad. And I'm glad that it's getting better. Um, me too. Me too. There's also another topic related to appreciation in relationships, and this is what is called bids. Uh, so in a relationship, a bid is where you are trying to connect with the other person, whether that person is your partner or a work colleague or a friend or whatever. So a good example would be, um, hey, do you want to go see this movie this weekend? Or, hey, check out this email that my client sent me or, Hey, I thought I would forward this article. I found it really interesting. I thought you might find it of interest. So these are all examples of bids because in each case, the person is doing something, but on some level they are trying to connect with you and, and make the relationship go deeper. And one thing that researchers on relationships have also found is that it's really important in a relationship to be responsive to bids, to recognize that whatever the substance is of what somebody is offering, there's this other level of connection that they're trying to get. So for example, in an intimate relationship, let's say that your partner invites you to a movie and you have no interest in seeing that movie. 
So you could answer, uh, no thanks, I don't want to see the movie. Or you could say, hey, thanks for asking. I don't have time to see that movie this weekend, but maybe we could do something else another time. Or, hey, I really appreciate that you offered. Um, I don't think that movie's for me, but maybe we could do something else. Because in each case, you're you're respecting that the other person has made the effort. Or if we think about people forwarding links or emails. So I personally don't look at video links. Um, I don't like YouTube videos, and uh, it seems like it would be a lot of work. But people are constantly forwarding me little (laughs) messages about TED Talks that I should see or so forth. Um, This is good for me to know, by the way. It's good for you to know. It's really helpful email communication. But what I'll do is I'll say... Hey, thanks for sending. Looks interesting. Or, yes, I read something by that writer. Let me see what else he has. Because I recognize that they're they're trying to connect with me. And if I were to simply ignore it or think, eh, I don't want to look at some stupid YouTube video, I'm ignoring the fact that they're also sending me a, a bid. And this relates to appreciation because it's a way of essentially appreciating the effort that somebody has made to show up in our life with some positive effort. Yeah. And I think that we get too wrapped up in the substance as opposed to thinking in relationships. And right. so this is something I've learned in my own marriage-like relationship of 20-ish years. After many years of less than optimal <laughs> behaviors, every time my partner sends me something about like a nice email he got or a photo of our dogs or something he saw when driving, I send a short response back like Mm. great photo or that looks fun or I love that store or something like that. Mm. Um, Even if I think, Hmm, is this really adding value? Because I know that over the long haul, I'm responding in a positive appreciative way to these, these bids. Yeah. Nice. The topic you bring up there bids is such a rich one. Um, I hope we continue to talk about that as this podcast evolves, but I really appreciate the subtlety of the point of not only can you recognize when somebody's making a a bid to connect in our relationship, wherever that relationship lives, but also can I uh, respond to it with some gratitude or appreciation and then vocalize that or email that back as a way to actually increase a sense of relationship closeness. All right, so let's move to our homework for the week. We have two exercises for you to try this week to really further flex your appreciation muscles. Exercise number one. In the next week, share aloud your appreciation for five people in life. You maybe have to think about it a little bit beforehand. Where has somebody positively impacted you in your life? And go in five separate occasions, share that with those people. Notice how it goes, how you feel, what the impact on your relationship or dynamic with that person seems to be. All right. And exercise number two is more of a reflection exercise. One of the reasons that we want to show appreciation is because it's true. Other people help us do work. They help us be happy. They've helped us become the people we are. So the second exercise is to think of five people who in your lifetime have made a positive impact to your own development. And I'll give you some categories. Number one, a parent or caregiver. Number two, a teacher. Number three, a boss. Number four, a colleague. Number five, a friend. So parent or caregiver, teacher, boss, colleague, or friend. And try to identify a person in each of those categories 
that's had an impact on you and recall what they did that helped you become who you are right now. You know the thing I love about our homework? What? Is that exercise number two can actually become the impetus for exercise number one for people who want to get uh, extra credit. It's so well and cleverly engineered. I can't even stand it. <laughs> As with many of the things that we do, yes. my friend. <laughs> All right. many things we do. Thanks, everybody, for joining us and learning more about appreciation. Thanks for coming to Meanwhile. Great to talk to you, Michael Terrell. Always great to talk to you, Michael Melcher. Until next time. Mm-hmm.